0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father encourage you, my sons and daughters, as we come before God's holy altar, and I wish to preach the second half of the life of our great patroness Saint Cecilia, this young aristocratic Roman girl who gave her life in faith to Jesus Christ and consecrated her whole life, body and soul, her virginity to the Lord Jesus. This young man, Valerian, from a pagan noble household, falls in love with her, desires her hand in marriage. Her parents relent and beg her to do it. And she agrees to marry him in the Roman way, not in the Christian church. Her parents build for them a beautiful house off the banks of the Tiber River. She gives it to the church and becomes one of the first house churches in the city of Rome. She lives on one side, Valerian on the other, and in the middle the chapel that is built and the many places people gathered for prayer, study, and good deeds. On the day of their wedding in the elaborate ceremonies of the aristocracy She sings praises to God. In the evening, Valerian comes to her room, hoping that perhaps after all the wedding days she might think differently about what she had originally said. He hears her singing in her room, opens the door and finds her kneeling down before an icon of the Christ. He says to her, You tell me there is this angel that guards you. I should like to see this angel. Cecilia replies back to him, If you receive Christ in faith and are baptized, you will see him, for he is a friend to all the children of God. Valerian responds, How shall I know this Christ? And Cecilia says, Go, speak to the bishop called Urban, and writes down the secret address. Because remember, this is the year 230 A.D., or in the city of Rome, where Christianity is an illegal religion or if you are found as a Christian, you will be executed, especially if you are in the aristocracy. Valerian, with a good heart, this virtuous man who loves her purely and truly and will not touch her or stain her dignity without consent, goes and meets with the Pope. Now remember, this is a long, long time before there is the Vatican and St. Peter's Basilica and all of that. None of that exists. He receives, you might say, he took instruction, as we say, and finds faith in Jesus Christ and commits his life to Jesus Christ and is baptized. And after his baptism, he comes back to their home, opens the door, and there he sees his wife Cecilia and the angel standing behind her, bright and glowing, fierce and terrifying. And the angel turns to him and says, he recorded this, through his own family, the angel turned to him and said, You have done well, son of God. I am sent here to give you gifts. And he handed out to him a crown of white roses in red and instructed him to place them on the head of Cecilia as a sign of her pure white purity and the blood-red martyrdom she will have then turns dreadfully to him and places on his head a crown of blood-red roses. For though he had not lived purity unstained, he would shed his blood, his faith. That is why you have that strong icon of Valerian holding out there the white and the red crown to the woman who loved him and brought him to eternal love. That is why the ceiling of this church is arrayed in the light blue waters of the baptismal graces of the foundation of all life and intersected with the white flower on the red field that the purity of the Christian life and of the life of our patroness is touched by the blood of her martyrdom. For so it begins. The angel concludes by saying to Valerian, You will suffer much in this life, But the sight and the scent of these roses shall never depart from you to give you strength. And you may ask God now for any one thing, and he will give it to you. And Valerian says, I wish that this divine love be given to the people I love. I pray that my brother be converted. The angel departs. They all go to bed. The next morning, there's a knock on the door. It's Valerian's brother, who has had a vision, talked to a Christian that he knew in the Praetorian Guard, and is converted and has faith. They convert their cousin, who is an active member of the Praetorian Guard, and these three sons of the aristocracy, so close to the pagan emperor himself, begin the life of charity. Shortly thereafter, they are found out. On a Sunday evening, they have gone back to one of the homes of the plebeian christian families remember the plebeians were the lower classes but they were christians who had a child who had died and valerian and his brother and his cousin took food for the family and went to clean and wrap the body for poor people could not afford burial it was frankly quite grim what happened to the bodies so out of charity they took the body of this child to bury him amongst the catacombs and his Christian brothers and sisters. Because the cousin was in the Praetorian Guard, they are being followed and they are found out as Christians because the aristocracy just didn't go into those parts of town. Thus begins the passion of Cecilia. They know that he is near, Valerian is near to her. They know where he lives, goes back to their house. They accuse her as a Christian. She confesses faith and does not waver. The first mockery of her purity is to put tons and tons of clothes on her because the Christian girls don't dress like all the Roman girls. And they stick her basically in with sort of the steam house that would be used to heat the home, lock her in there, and underneath it it was lit by either wood or coal and try to basically uh, roast her to death. After five hours, she has not died. They open the door. She is pale and sweating and very unwell. And they stand Valerian, his brother and his cousin in front of her. Give up faith or they die. And those good Christian men do not let it fall on her shoulders, but confess faith in Christ directly. They kneel them down and cut their heads off in front of her. Then they strip her naked, beat her, and bring out the pagan idol Jupiter and say, burn incense to the gods of Rome. Cecilia refuses to bend. It is not known what she said, for none lived in that room to tell the tale. But they slit her throat in three places, so that she could sing no more and let her fall to bleed to death on the floor of her own home. That is why if you see the cross in the harp that adorns so many places in our church, the patron saint of music unites her life to the cross of Christ, there are three strings that are broken, for they tried with those three slits to close her voice. This martyrdom, inspires the Christians so deeply that one who had so much, who was young, 15, 16, beautiful, rich, influential, gave all. And it sends a cold shiver through the heart of that dark Roman Empire built on the edge of the sword and the grim slavery that it induced, and the gold that it spread to enslave so many, now a chill runs through the heart. For if this empire will kill its own daughters, what good can be left in it? For the heart of humanity rang out, knowing that what is valued most in any good civilization are its women. And if this empire would do this to its girls, what good could it possibly have? And it raises up a beautiful legion of young, devout, strong Christian women. You might think you don't know their names, but you do. You hear them every Sunday when we conclude the great prayer of the Mass. Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia these great lions of faith who were small and demure but had that infinite power, who confessed faith in the one God in three persons, in our Savior Jesus Christ, who would not give up their purity, who would not give up their morality, who would not give up their justice. She was buried in the catacombs next to what is now called the Hall of the Popes, If you go to the catacombs in Rome, you can see where all of the popes were buried. Right next door, St. Cecilia, where the living popes would go to say Mass. When her body was brought into the city of Rome, there was this interesting inscription, "Santa Cecilia Incorruptabile, St. Cecilia the Uncorrupt. In the 1600s, when they were going to renovate the church for they had moved her body back into her original home, the church had gotten possession of it, and were going to build a new church on top of the place where she lived and was martyred, they were curious about this incorruptibly. They opened her grave and found her body wholly intact, had not decayed even in the slightest, laying down on her side like a beautiful sleeping child, and her hands arraigned the right hand with one finger, the left hand with the three, that her life was the singing and the faith in the one God in three persons taught to us by our Savior Jesus Christ. And when even the smallest confess faith, the heart of the world can turn. We have built this church that up in the canopy of glory, not on her head but laid down, is the crown of white and red flowers. And opposite of it, the golden crown and the palm branches given to the victory of the martyrs. And you see the, red, the pillars marbleized in red, running as it were from heaven to earth for it is the blood of the martyrs. It is the shedding of the blood of the Savior that gives life to all. It is the resurrection of the dead, those who can no longer die, for they are like angels and are the children of God, you and I. And we are privileged to worship God in spirit and truth, and every Mass hear the name of Cecilia. And those of us who have sons and grandsons might pray to St. Valerian and teach his example that our boys will be strong in faith, utter in their integrity, and never, ever taint the honor of a woman, even to the shedding of their blood. And we might take those most precious things, our daughters and our granddaughters, and pray to St. Cecilia and teach them of her life, That they too will be strong, powerful, unflinching, stern as death, fiery as love, pure, utterly, unflinching, and lead the pathway. The first name we say in the Eucharistic prayer is Jesus Christ. The second name we say is Blessed Virgin Mary, His Mother. And then there's that last trinity of names we say, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints, to give glory to the one God in three persons and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.